0: Welcome to How Do You Write. I'm your host, Rachel Herron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 252 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I am so pleased you're with me here today because today we are talking to Katrina Turner, who is a friend of mine, but she is also an amazing editor and she is a writer and she is basically a professional expat. So in this interview, you will hear me pick her brain about moving As well as writing. And I have to say that I was just um, handling some of her edits that she did for a re released book that I'm working on right now. And she's just brilliant. She really, really is. She's completely delightful. And in this episode, we talk about looking for the everyday. in the miraculousness of writing. And I know that you are going to enjoy it. So um before we get into that, what's going on around here? Well, so goddamn much. Holy crap. Uh, We're out of MIQ, which was managed isolation slash quarantine. We are out of it. And we are, I'm recording this on Friday. We have been living in Auckland for four days since Monday. And this is temporary. Uh, Actually, we leave on Sunday to go up north to a place called Russell, where apparently we're going to have a house, uh, which you can't always drive to. You can only drive to it when it is low tide. So if it is high tide, you got to leave your car at the car park and perhaps wade through the, the ocean water to get to the house. So that's going to be super cool and exciting. And I can't wait to tell you about that. But that's not right now. Right now is Auckland. We have an apartment pretty right between the Central Business District and Ponsonby. We've got a great view of the Sky Tower from our apartment. Um, and we have just been doing... So much stuff. Uh, We bought a car. In order to buy a car, we needed to set up a bank account. In order to set up a bank account, we had to do a million different things. Uh, It's difficult to do any of these things, to do any of this red tape stuff when you don't have an address and when you don't plan on having an address for a long time. Um, how do you get a social security number? Or here they're, here they are known as IRD numbers. How do you get that without a permanent address? What you do is you, um, talk the bank into accepting your old address, even though you don't own that home anymore and you are above board and you tell everybody what you're doing. Uh, in the States, I can pretty much predict that the, somebody in those, uh, government official entity positions would say, nope, sorry, can't do it. Here they're like, oh, okay, let's make it work. Uh, if we do this and this and then you cross off this and then I, I pull this for you, can you wait for 10 minutes? I'm gonna go handle this. Okay, I'm back with you, I fixed it. That's how New Zealanders handle things and it's been wonderful and exciting, uh, but it has just been a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, and I'm I'm not tired, I'm excited. Every day, we get out and walk around. As soon as I record this, we're going to go walk down to the promenade on the water and explore that area. And it's just been pretty great. Last night, um, was for the first time in months, I cooked a meal in the kitchen that we have here. We have been subsisting on takeout before we moved. And then when we were in quarantine, they delivered our meals to us three times a day. So we didn't even have to think about it. We just had to eat as often as possible, which was good and bad, but last night I made a gorgeous salmon with radishes and peas in a miso Dijon caper sauce, lots of butter, and it was delicious. Also, I'm very much enjoying grazing again. You know, for breakfast, might be a handful of peanuts and an apple kind of thing, rather than having a full meal delivered to you three times a day. And I'm one of those people who I just, it's very hard for me to throw out. A whole meal a hot meal so um, it's kind of nice not to have to eat that often to be very honest um what else oh in terms of work it's been great i've been getting stuff done i have picked the next project that i am really focused on and uh i don't know if i've said it on the air yet but i am writing the book 90 days to done based on the class i teach my goal is to have eventually a book at a book price and then a walk yourself through a do-it-yourself evergreen course at an evergreen course price. And then my hold you by the hand and take you through it, which is what I do nowadays at the higher price. So all three price points in the market uh, for 90 days to done, because I love teaching it and I love nothing more than watching people finish their books especially people who are finishing their vo- books for the very first time and i want um, to help more people do that so that is what i am focusing on right now hopefully get the first draft done in a couple months i could probably do it faster but i don't want to we are in new zealand to try to embrace some of their famous work-life balance and it is almost three thirty, so my day is almost over because that's when i'm trying to finish right now I don't think I'm going to finish in the next two minutes. I'll still have to upload this thing, but you know, I'm trying to not work until six and seven at night, which is what I did in the States. And I don't want to do that here. Um, so it's been quite great. I love it. And it just feels good. It feels like the right choice. And that is a huge relief. And I'm sure that we will have ups and downs, times that we will think, what the hell did we do? But right now, we're both really enjoying it. I want to shout out and quickly thank new patrons. Thank you to Lynette Carter and Elizabeth Adams and Isabel Perigny, I'm guessing on that name, beautiful, and Kate Hagborg. Thank you so much, um, you all, for joining over at patreon.com slash Rachel. Uh, Over there, you can get all the essays that I've written about living your creative life. And right now I'm writing about doing something big, like making a move like this. And also, if you're at the $5 level, um, which Kate came in at, then you get me for a mini coach. Kate, thank you for your question. And I will be getting to that very soon. So um, let's jump into the interview with Katrina because it's a little longer than most because I adore her. And you will too. She is delightful. Plus she's got that incredible accent. So please enjoy, please do your writing. I got a couple emails this week from people who say, okay, Rachel, you always want me to email you and tell you how I'm doing with my writing and here I'm doing it. And I love them. You can always reach out to me, Rachel at rachelherron.com. You got to spell it right, but that's the only bar that's the only barrier to entry. Please email me, tell me how your writing is going. Um, please, be kind to yourself. Be gentle to yourself if you're not writing. Forgive yourself for every moment you've ever not written in your whole entire life. Forgive yourself right now. It's all fine. It's exactly right. It's a, You're in exactly the right place where you are supposed to be. And why don't you fit in 10 or 15 minutes tonight or tomorrow morning? Don't put it off anymore. Do a little bit of it. And then email me. Tell me how it went. Okay, I know I'm speaking quickly because I've got to get off the clock. Okay, enjoy the interview, my friends. We'll talk soon. This episode is brought to you by my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir Write Your Life Story in 45 Hours, which is, by the way, totally doable, and I tell you how. It's the same class I teach in the Continuing Studies program at Stanford each year, and I'll let you in on a secret. Even if you have no interest in writing a memoir, yet, the book has everything I've ever learned about the process of writing and of revision and of story structure and of just doing this thing that's so hard and yet all we want to do. Pick it up today. Okay, well I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show my friend Katrina Turner. Hello Katrina.
1: Hi Rachel. Oh my goodness, the honor is entirely mine.
0: No. This I- was
1: like an wrong. author bucket list thing oh. that I was gonna do like in two or three years, but you've invited me today. So I'm- I I
0: invited you, know. you and I'm also like strong arming you. Into being here.
1: (laughs) Just just coaxing me. You coaxed me. Let me give you
0: a little bit of an introduction for people. Katrina Turner is a writer and editor currently living in Ebsjurg. I already forgot how to say it Denmark. a veteran of six international moves since leaving Scotland 12 years ago. She's also lived with her family in France, Uganda, and the Republic of Kondo. At her website, The Frustrated Nestor, she writes about Danish living, travel, and the expat life. She has contributed to a regular column uh, to a mag- for of a magazine for internationals in Denmark, and her writing has featured in anthologies about international living. She also works as a freelance copy editor and proofreader. With a couple of to-be-completed novels on the shelf, she's currently working on a memoir due for publication in early 2022 while preparing for her family's next big move. And everyone listening, I want you to know that Katrina and I have spent time together in Venice, Italy. Yes. And that's how we really got to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the, the honor has been mine in getting to watch and read your writing. You are a beautiful writer. Oh,
1: thank
0: you. You, The way you write about your family and about the international living, um, when you made it official that you were going to write this memoir, that you were writing this (laughs) memoir, I was so pleased.
1: So first of all, I want to ask about that. How is it going? How is the memoir going? (laughs) It's going, so my mantra is inching onwards. (laughs) That I'm taking wonderful. her onward and I'm inching onwards at the moment yes. because um, there's just so much else going on. Yeah, um, you know, The kids are back in school but only for half days at the moment because it's still post, post-lockdown post schooling and we're getting ready to move and yeah so, so <laughs> it's with like little that- inches of writing.
0: I love inching onwards. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Remind me again, how many kids you have? It's either two or three. Two boys. Two boys. And how, how old are they again?
1: They are 10 and eight. Oh, that's such active ages. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's quite a good age actually because they're now, they're out of the most demanding
0: yeah. age. And they're so not they teenagers yet.
1: And, yeah, exactly. They can come home and play some video games and, um, you know, kind of look after themselves a little bit. But still need to be, um, you know, helped with homework and taken to football and taken to swimming.
0: What was it like during the lockdown in Denmark?
1: Um, Denmark did it really well because um, they, they locked down very quickly at the start. Um, but the the regulations were not as strict as they have been in some other places, like in the UK. Mm-hmm. That's what we were following more closely. Um, because the the predominant value in danish culture is of trust oh,
0: my so once goodness. the government
1: said this is what we're doing <laughs> i know as an <laughs> once american the government said this is what we're doing people said yeah okay we'll do that and then the government trusted people to mm-hmm. you know not go too far and not do anything stupid i mean there were people doing stupid things but on the whole, there yeah. weren't so we weren't sort of confined to within so many kilometers of our home or anything like that. So, um, you know, it was boring, but as, and I'm I'm glad the kids are the age they are, because if they were older, you know, our friends with teenagers, oh. they just, oh, it's just awful. I feel like what it's
0: they, the worst. Yeah. For the, uh, my nephew, this was his senior year in high school, 2020. Mm, yeah. And just to, to be handling that right now. Oh, it's awful. So where... Where does writing fit in your life right now today as the kids are back in school, have time and you're getting prepared for yet another international move?
1: So what I'm trying to do at the moment is, um, actually, I started doing this before lockdown and I had literally done it in my phone like two weeks or a week before and then everything changed again. So what I did was I was thinking about how I used to be be a teacher. So um, I was thinking about how well organized my day was because a bell would ring and then mm. I could just move on and do the next thing and you know I didn't have to make any more decisions about what the next thing would be. I just have to show up and do it. So I actually programmed a timetable in my phone with I uh, found a school bell that would ring when my alarm went. I love that. And I set it all up with my normal working day as I was then a year and a half ago. And then like literally the following week <laughs> I was home learning I changed all the alarms to suit the kids timetables instead yeah so but I've reset that up now so that I can s- sort of divide the time in the mornings between decluttering and yeah. doing some writing and the other things I'm working along with um, my blog and social media and um, because I'm trying to keep that going too so
0: plus your editing plus the copy editing yes oh yes that's right my (laughs)
1: editing your job
0: i'm a very good soldier and i have recently learned this about well i've kind of always known this about myself is that when somebody tells me to do something i do it Mm -hmm. so i have actually set up my um amazon echo device to when i say for it to um for us to work for two hours or for three hours, whatever it is, it starts talking to me in Pomodoro sprints. It says, Mm -hmm. okay, now, okay, now work for 25 minutes. And then it says, okay, great job. Now take a break for five minutes. And I, you know, it it took all the programming to do that. There's no simple way of doing it. Um, But it's, I just do it when she says to get, Mm -hmm. get back to writing. And I programmed her to say things like, um, you know, you're a machine. And then she says, no, wait, I'm a machine. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> but but it's so useful if you are a person I'm not a rebel if somebody tell if a mm-hmm. bell tells me to do something I do it mm-hmm. um so do you, you found that as well
1: yes definitely and the other thing that's helping me with that is I have an accountability partner yes and we meet once a week so at least once a week the night before I'm <laughs> like I need to do my homework I think Vic, because we're meeting and I have everyone to tell Everyone needs an accountability partner like that.
0: Absolutely everyone who is a writer who is trying to do any of this work Mm -hmm. um, needs that. And I will just uh, briefly plug, because I haven't said it in a while, but I do have a Slack channel um, called Onward Writer. And you can always find the link at the show notes and um, the podcast. And you can come join and look for an accountability partner if any of you listening need that. Okay. So let's talk about, where, where are you? I'm just... I'm sorry that you're getting this double whammy of, um, number one, we're talking about writing on my writing podcast, but on number two, I'm catching up with my friend. So, um, <laughs> it's really good for me. Where are you in the memoir right now? What, what stage are you at?
1: So I am in the fourth, um, reboot. I'm Fabulous. not calling it a draft.
0: <laughs> I love reboot.
1: I, That's great. <laughs> I started, I, I started with Nana Rainbow in 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was a very shitty draft. And what Good. I it's like brainstorming, yeah. And so now I really like the term discovery draft for first yes, draft because yes. that's what you do, you, you have to kind of go all this stuff out and then discover then what it will be mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, um, since then, I've had various different ideas about what the structure should be, um, and I was. Working on, I was working at the start of the year, I was working on a plan that I had, I thought it was going to be, and I was pulling out different themes and uh, taking a note of, you know, and I thought I knew what the themes would be. So I was looking for those themes in the manuscript, pulling them out. And as I was doing that, I came up with another theme, um, which I realized, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of my, one of my themes. I should include that. And the theme was nesting. Yes. Which is the name of the, my frustrated, girl, the frustrated Nestor. Nestor. And I, I was chatting about this with my accountability partner, which is the other reason it's such a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. And I kind of didn't really want to go into details with her, but she was pulling it out of me and said, Well, what theme is it? And what, you know, tell me about that. And then she said, So is that the structure of your book now? And I said, No. And then oh. I was like, Oh. I just got goosebumps. <gasps> and and then- it was—it was, It was like that because it was <sighs> talking about each of the you know different places I've lived and how I started off with this idea I would just create a nest in each place we lived because that was kind of how you know how I identified kind of before we were moving around. I was like a nester I liked mm-hmm. to have a lovely home and um yeah so that's what it is now the memoir it's it's each nest, each home as a starting point to explore the kind of deeper themes of losing purpose and identity as as what some people call the truly spouse, as the partner following the expat mm-hmm. on, on assignment because it's my husband's job. Mm-hmm. So losing purpose and identity in that and then just having the moments of figuring out what I should be doing and what my purpose should be and I can then actually, the process of moving around.
0: I can feel listeners... Leaning forward, wanting to give you some money so that they can read this book. So, um, I,
1: yes, that's what I need to hear. So that I finish.
0: It. I can, this is like my this is my catnip. This is what I want to read, and you know I love your words. So, um, on record and and please, I don't I don't ever do this, uh, but I am volunteering to be a beta reader if you ever want one. Definitely, <laughs> I would, yes. I would love to do that. Um, what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing?
1: so um well apart from just time yeah yeah. it's it's which honestly I say that but I know deep down we all like people say we all have the same amount of time in our days it's how we choose to spend it so for me the challenge then is balancing creative life and creativity and community Mm. because because I even though I'm an introvert I get a real buzz out of community and being in living internationally your community becomes so important Mm -hmm. it's like your family where you live and then I'm really engaged in the international community globally and connecting with um expats well friends I've known in different countries who are now in all corners of the globe but also on social media so um I get really excited about that But um, So it makes it hard sometimes to say no to the community side of things because I need to sit and work. And especially especially locally because um, your friends that you have, that you make when you're living abroad, it's an intense friendship. It's important. You need them. And it's short-term. It's short-lived. So you don't want to lose any opportunities to spend time with those people because either they're going to move away soon, or you're going to move away soon, or you're all going to be traveling over the summer, or there's only um, so many chances. So it's just balancing that it's, it's, it's not like if I, if I was living somewhere for 20 years, and I knew I would see those people next month, and I could say, it's November, I'm writing, I can't see you, but I don't, I don't, you know, I feel I have to find that balance kind of Mm. Ongoing. There,
0: there's something, and I would you already know this, but I will just remind you of it that the book you are writing is also going to contribute to this community. Mm-hmm. Like so if you are saying no to some of these things, you are also saying yes to I am, you know, and, and they won't understand this. You can't say, you know, well, Nancy, we can't hang out because I'm helping you <laughs> of the amazing. future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's something to keep in mind. What is your mm. biggest what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing?
1: It's the words. Yeah. It's absolutely the words. I I I write because of the words. I was never really um, I never really saw myself as a big storyteller, um, but I, as a wordsmith. So you know, I studied English at university, and um, yeah, just and I was writing at school, and I was writing for student newspapers and writing poetry when I was a teenager. And um just I, I love to get elbow deep in language and grammar and all of that. So it's about the words for me. So so when I decided I would write, it was like, okay, well, I want I wanted to write because I want to use these words. Mm. And I kind of had to figure out then what I would write. I didn't like have a story that I had to tell. I just wanted to use the words because when I I remember when I was about 16 actually looking at the view from outside our house, so in the west of Scotland looking across to hills and lochs and a beautiful landscape and saying to myself, I wish I could paint this as the light changes every day and thinking, well, I could describe it with words and paint with words. So that's kind of what I've always tried to do. That's cool. So yeah, the joys in the words. I'm finding the sentence and the phrase that really fits together. And,
0: and you're so damn good at it. Let me um, take this moment to spin over to wordbothy.com. Is that how you say it?
1: the word bothy
0: bothy um tell us oh, I'm, i've talked about the word bothy on the show before but i want to talk about it more what you is that's because so <laughs> I, be- I believe in you um what does bothy mean again
1: so a bothy is a scottish mountain retreat a shelter from the elements so if you're in a wilderness of language and grammar, come on in and I'll help you get cozy with your words. Get cozy with your words. And it's really, <laughs>
0: it's really funny for Tuita's time because I literally 14 minutes ago, right before we began speaking, um finished doing your copy edits for my yeah. fast, fast, uh, I you've helped me with the re-release of Fast Draft Your Memoir. You've just copy edited the the Fast Draft Your Memoir workbook, and your eye is so Good. You're the only copy editor slash proofer I ever want to work with again, um, period. But also, you do this beautiful thing where where you just you identify my clumsy phrases, which I have seen a few times. So I've I've somehow in the back of my mind decided that they're not clumsy anymore because I understand them. And then when you identify them and point them out, I'm like, oh yeah, what what even was I saying there? And you do it so well, and your eye is just unerring. So this is my Um, Rachel plug. If you need a copy editor or a proofreader, go to the word bothy, b-o-t-h y dot com. Thank
1: you. and and it shows I'm so glad that's what you're getting from my work. I think, but I do think that's what we all do with our own writing. That makes me feel better. You know, I think what we have in our heads is what we know to be in our heads. So the way we've expressed it is the way we understand it so there's no way for us to see that somebody else wouldn't until somebody yeah. else doesn't yeah
0: so. yeah well thank but you for being not that, person that you
1: have me. like work you know littered with clumsy phrases or anything it is littered it, it <laughs> is absolutely
0: all. littered you're oh easy, my goodness yeah,
1: you're an easy client <laughs> really that
0: makes me feel a little better too <laughs> um, speaking of these kind of things can you share a craft tip of any sort with us
1: so I'm, I think this comes under the heading of craft. Uh, um, lots of people do a version of this. I call it blind drafting. Um, so when I really need to just break through a kind of blockage or just I've been bored of what I'm writing mm-hmm. I'm doing something completely new, I will. Um, I have a tiny little keyboard that links to my phone so, I'll open up Evernote hmm. and then I will turn my phone over so I can't see the screen and just type that way.
0: That is so smart. And I've never heard anybody say to do it with those technical mm. details. Have you, so this is my fear about doing this. Um, have you ever turned your phone back around and it wasn't capturing?
1: Once or twice because yeah. I've paused for too long.
0: Yeah, yeah. And So then it's the screen like goes the write or die, die thing. That's brilliant.
1: Yeah. You just yeah, you have to so keep it again, but yeah, you just have to keep going. Mm-hmm.
0: Another way that I have done it on my computer, and usually I will take myself away from my normal writing space. I'll go sit on the couch or sit in the car or something like that. And then I'll open up the document and then I will decrease the um the brightness until the screen mm-hmm. goes black. And then you just write and write and write, and you can't. But but I love the I love the phone with the tiny little keyboard. Mm-hmm that is so good okay thank you it's Um, it's
1: so portable as well and you could just put it in your purse Mm
0: -hmm. i wonder what people think they're doing when they see you just writing on a keyboard that looks like it's not connected
1: i was co-working with some friends the other day and what are you you doing not looking at anything
0: yeah because you just kind of have to look out in space um i have a I think I don't know if they're making this yet or not, but I'm I'm looking forward to the virtual keyboard someday, where like the keyboard can just be projected onto anywhere, and then just move your fingers on the desk. Or, it's gonna happen. I've seen it. I've seen it Definitely. in the science fiction movies. Uh, what <laughs> what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way?
1: So I was thinking about this, and I think my answer is a bit of a cheat, but like um, you. but I think it's relevant, especially for people like me who are early in the writing career. Um, It's what surprises me most is that the best things happen when I sit down and write, because I have this voice telling me that I have to know what I'm going to do before I sit down. Still, it's always there, and and I'm always saying, well, that's not true, but so many days, so many weeks I've spent days thinking I have to know what I'm going to write before I sit down and do it but of course it's the sitting down and doing it that makes the ideas come and makes the magic happen. So that, but it still takes me by surprise. Yes. You know, when that happens.
0: Um, However many books deep I am, I I still forget that on a daily basis. mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when the, the muse, whatever that you, whatever people think the muse is, the muse visits me most reliably when I'm just writing stupid, crappy sentences and Mm -hmm. suddenly I'm hit with a brainwave of something that I didn't ever see coming and couldn't have seen coming if you didn't put yourself in the chair.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is kind of similar thinking back to the account, my accountability partner is talking about it because yeah. I don't really like to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I didn't even want to tell her cause we don't critique. We just yeah. check in. I didn't want to tell her what I was actually thinking cause it's rubbish. <laughs> but because we had this conversation, yeah, just speaking out loud all the light bulbs went
0: went off how did you find your accountability partner
1: so we actually met in a facebook group for expats (laughs) and we were doing a challenge about uh, purpose I think Uh, and we were both commenting um, in these posts and she said she was looking for accountability and I said so am I And it was it was cool because and I've had this quite a few times recently where you don't really don't know someone just because you've interacted online a few times. And it's a bit of a risk Mm -hmm. to reach out and say, let's do this thing together. Mm -hmm. Um, Because lovely as they seem, you never know if you're going to be on the same wavelength. Um, But you have to try these things. But it always seems to work out. I think you just know there's like an instinct that you have, I guess. Yes. It still feels of, a bit risky.
0: It is. And it is risky, but I love also that you are not critiquing each other's work. I don't think that mm-hmm. that is the best use for an accountability partner. The mm-hmm. accountability partner that is best for you is the one that makes you do your homework the night mm-hmm. before you're going to chat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. So that was yeah.
1: just a few months ago. And I like, she probably knows more about my life at the moment than yeah anyone in this house. Even.
0: <laughs> it's an, it's an intimate it's so much, connection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: so really good I would say we're really good friends now. so I love that. It's a risk worth taking.
0: I think that when this uh, podcast comes out, you should uh, send her to it as you, you
1: oh, I will Don't worry. speak so glowingly about her.
0: Um, can we talk a little bit about like being an expat now?
1: Yes, of course. Um,
0: so mine is a little bit different than yours since mm. neither of us are following a spouse there. Both of us are going because we want to go to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And the plan right now is to stay in New Zealand is mm-hmm. to build a home and and remain there. That plan could change. Like we could hate it. We could decide to go live in Bali or Mexico or wh- whatever. But the plan right now is to move to New Zealand and stay there. Um but I it, can you give me a bit of advice? Like what would you tell me? I have lived in this house with Lala for 15 years now. This mm-hmm. is and and before that I'd really never spent longer than two or three years in any place, but always in California.
1: Yeah, I mean, well one of the things I was going to say that you've already kind of addressed is that it's never final. Um, you know, and I've heard people just, t- you know, be really anxious about making a move because they're envisaging the rest of their life based on, a, a, or, you know, one decision. Um, I'm, having, like nothing's a, I'm ever having final. A-
0: I'm having a very big problem with that. The envisaging, like lying mm-hmm. in bed thinking like, what will my house look like? What will my friends look like? What will the the my cafe look like? But I know that that's useless. Mm-hmm.
1: But how do, how do I stop myself? How I do you think you can? Oh, okay. <laughs> I think you have to just treat it like be playful with it though. Yeah. It's a game, you know? So at the moment I'm envisaging Paris.
0: You're moving to Paris
1: we're moving to Paris okay so that is
0: impossible <laughs> because like everything like that is the most envisaged place besides Venice like Venice and Paris must be the two most mm-hmm. dreamed about places in the Probably.
1: world how are you handling yeah, that I'm, Tell me. I'm not going to Paris like in a dream right like Emily in Paris <laughs> right. I'm going to Paris to take my kids to school and yes. do grocery shopping and find a cafe to write to that that part is the dream that part is, I just
0: almost <laughs> fell off my chair with
1: <laughs> that dream.
0: Okay. Do you speak, do you speak French? I'm sure you do. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because we um, we've lived
1: in France twice before and Congo is French. And Congo. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so you've lived in France before. Tell mm-hmm. me, so you, you said something that freaked me out earlier. Uh, you said that you're decluttering. How could you possibly have clutter if you move all the time? Yeah, okay, I okay. think my clutter
1: is probably different from your clutter.
0: Yeah, my clutter is fifteen yeah. years. This is, we've been deep. in this
1: house for three years. Yeah. So, but previous to this, we've always moved just with the air freight, just with air shipment. So, wow. yeah, we we arrive and we are in a furnished place, or we buy the furniture.
0: We are and- moving with no furniture, just no. mostly boxes mm-hmm. of books. I think we've got about fifty or sixty boxes right now, which is mostly books journals and and some kitchen stuff because we've been told like bring your bring all your favorite kitchen appliances new zealand Mm -hmm. is expensive um Mm. but yeah go but so when you move to france this time you're are you going to take things like furniture and
1: we may take furniture because it will be a land move yeah just so that'll be easier so we may be taking furniture but otherwise i yeah i mean even before we were expat i was quite the declutter i was a bit of a minimalist so yeah I don't like having too much stuff. And I definitely don't like taking a drawer of junk and transferring it to a whole other country. We're not doing that. Hell
0: <laughs> no. So, just, this, just this last weekend, we finished our, all of our packing, basically. And now we're living in uh-huh. this big empty house with everything that will fit in our suitcases to go with us. Um, and everything else is in the, in the place where we will eventually ship it um, on a pallet over to New Zealand.
1: Uh-huh.
0: How, what do you do when you arrive on that day when you... When you start to settle in,
1: I think the first days are always about. I I think we behave like a tourist. Oh, really?
0: Tell Those me more. Those first days,
1: you've got to explore your neighborhood and find a restaurant. And yeah, I don't know, that's a good question. What do we do the when we first arrive? When we first arrived in Denmark, it was the middle of a hot summer. We spent a whole weekend visiting the. The local kind of um tourist sites so i love that yeah and then then you've got to do where do i buy soap you know soap <laughs> <laughs> and what's the danish for soap? And, <laughs> um yeah. thank goodness we live in the, in the time of google yeah I don't know how people did this before they could do Google Maps, Google Translate.
0: It helps um, so much, and we're we're yes, we're you know we're going to social media
1: where there's already a group that will give yeah. the answers to all your questions.
0: We are in an expat group for New mm-hmm. Zealand, and they do have all the questions. They're also sometimes very grumpy. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's also a very, very nice group of people who are are and uh, and the thing in the expat group in New Zealand, um, the Facebook group that I'm part of, uh basically they talk about tacos most of the time. It's all about Mexican food. Like
1: okay. <laughs> Yes. Every yeah, Americans everywhere. Really? yeah you can't get you can't get good Mexican
0: food. I am assuming that if I move <laughs> to New Zealand, I can't get good Mexican food. That's just part of my calculation, okay,
1: yeah <laughs> you know, but
0: I am bringing yeah. like a whole bag of spices because everybody says if you want mm-hmm. the Mexican spices to bring them mm-hmm. great
1: that's what I'm doing
0: <laughs> um, any but, other, um yeah advice? no,
1: I mean, my thing is always to hit the ground running
0: okay, because Tell I've done more. it so
1: many times, so I've learned you know to just have this mindset of because for us it's always temporary
0: yeah 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 I'm in
1: this country for three years so um I'm going to visit places I want to visit I'm going to make the friends I want to make if I see someone in a room of a gathering of some kind of parents or something to do with the company and that looks like an interesting person I will just
0: go grab find,
1: them yeah yeah ask them about their lives and then five minutes later will you be my friend
0: <laughs> have, and have can you, I put you down
1: as the emergency contact on my children's medical <laughs> form? <laughs> no, no pressure, so, no
0: pressure. I mean, that's that's honestly is, yeah. the thing that I'm most scared about is making mm-hmm. um making mm-hmm. friends as an adult.
1: I mean, you don't have to be in such a hurry because yeah. you're yeah. you're you're staying for the long term. But treat it like dating, treat it like, if you can remember that, treat it like a long time ago. <laughs> you know, a bit of a job. A bit of a um, job,
0: yeah. Dating really was a job okay. sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. And and invite and do the inviting. I think as newbies, very often we we kind of wait to see what the lay of the land is and to see um, you know, who might invite us places or what events might be okay. appropriate. But actually do what you want to do and invite people to join you.
0: That's huge. That's and like the biggest yeah. best tip that I hadn't actually mm-hmm. considered. Decide mm-hmm. what I want to do and then invite somebody to come along. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Because so often as well, you're you're the new person in a room of international people or whoever it may be, but actually you think you're the only new person and maybe you're not. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's 10 other people looking at you and going, well, she's obviously been here for however long and they're <laughs> waiting to be invited to something. So...
0: I'm, I, I'm keeping a collection of the best advice I get because I've been getting mm. a, lot of, a lot of really great advice and this is going up in the top five right there. Okay. Do, do the inviting. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, let's get back to writing um, or reading. What is, what is the best book you've read recently?
1: Um, I don't read as much as I would like. Well, I'm, I'm getting better at reading more quickly. Now that the kids are older. Um, but the last book I read was a quirk. Was a it was really long. So I'll just have to talk about that because I don't think I can remember what I read before Of course. Um,
0: so The Mirror and the
1: Light. By I've never Heron heard of Mantel. it.
0: Oh, it's a Mantel. Oh, my goodness. Yes.
1: Okay. You've heard of her. Oh, sure. yes.
0: I've, um, I've read uh, Wolf Hall. I think that's the only one of hers I've read.
1: So The Mirror and the Light is the third okay. in that trilogy of, of the Thomas Cromwell novels. It's the last one. Um, so I don't normally read historical fiction. It's not something I go looking for anyway, put it that way. And um, but when I do, I love it because I I can't learn history from a history book. Yeah. My husband's there's, there's a whole load of history books over there. And my husband loves reading history books, and he'll say this is interesting, and I'll read the blurb and I'll go, yeah, I really want to know this history, and I'll start reading, in about five pages in, I'm lost, and I I cannot retain anything. But in fiction, not just with history, but other things too. But in fiction, I can. I, and- Sorry, i can retain it so and, now i know yeah. who henry the six wives were in order <laughs> i never learned that before but also and, um i absolutely just love Hilary mantel's prose Well,
0: that's what i was gonna say speaking of being like arms deep inside perfect mm-hmm. prose mm-hmm. whatever perfect prose is there's no there's no perfect but she probably comes really really close mm-hmm. to it her
1: oh, you could
0: do no stuff. wrong with her writing it is stunning mm-hmm.
1: And something I was doing while I was reading, which is actually another, maybe kind of a craft tip, um, I was looking for the everyday language, the everyday words and phrases. That's something I like to do just to kind of encourage myself. Because as a reader, you think, oh, I could never achieve this level of greatness. But every writer has to have the everyday. She opened the door. Yeah, it's It's in in there there somewhere. Yeah.
0: You're blowing my mind. And
1: actually, a lot of her words are every day. It's just the order. You know, it's the way they put them together. I mean, that's obviously what what we're doing with writing. But but when you really watch great writers and pay attention to the way they put their sentences together and the words they're using, they're not using any different words or sentences than the rest of us. They've just captured something with those words. And it's so achievable when you look at it that way.
0: That's a beautiful craft tip. That's a beauty. I actually might go back to Mentel because she did intimidate me a little bit. I, I kept leaving her books going, I can, I'm not, I'm not a writer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, that's wonderful.
1: All right. The first of her books that I read was Beyond Black.
0: Hmm. Was, was that also historical?
1: No, no, but it, it's, it's, um, it's just very dark fiction. Oh, it's about a woman who is a medium and her spirit guide is, um, well, she was a trigger warning. She was abused as a child, and mm-hmm. um, her spirit guide is one of her abusers. <gasps> Whoa. And so she's she's living in this. And not, I, I'm very cynical about mediums and that kind of thing. But yeah. in the world of the novel, it's just so intense. Sort of, there's a lot of humor in it, but it's also just so Ooh. challenging. Gonna, you know, I'm going to put she's that on my list. Spending all her time with this character. Oh I mean, uh,
0: She also, I I just remembered, I also read her memoir, um, Giving Up the Ghost,
1: Mm -hmm. which was,
0: it's, it's so, Mm -hmm. it's so good. She's, uh, she's this interesting mix of, I don't believe in any of this stuff. And yet, Mm -hmm. let me talk, let me talk and speak really beautifully about it. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's bring this all back to you where can people find you out there? Because people really, really, really should check out your, not only check out your blog, but get on your email newsletter list, which you don't send very often, but when you do, it's a stunner. It's a stunner. Your writing on Venice is right up there with Jan Morris for me. Like it's, it's incredible.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, I know you're, (laughs) you're Scottish. You're like, stop, stop, stop complimenting (laughs) me. Okay. Tell us where we can find you. I
1: need to put that back up somewhere then because I don't send it anymore.
0: Um. Um, Don't add more work for yourself right now but
1: no yeah. uh, no no good point <laughs> um yeah so the frustrated nestor.com is the blog and that's where you can sign up um for the emails my i spend most of my time on instagram that's kind of where i live and that's just at the frustrated nester and that's where you can catch up and send me dm and see what i'm up to there um i'm on facebook but i I'm kind of weaning myself off of it. I don't really spend a lot of time there, and then the wordbothy.com for editing.
0: Katrina, thank you so much for doing this with me. It was so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much
1: for inviting me. Yeah, Uh, ticking off something from the bucket list already. Well, (laughs) when
0: and when the memoir comes out, we'll have you back too, and we'll talk about that. Okay, you can start preparing for that. All right, thank you. We'll talk soon. Thank you very much.